Well, it's good to see each of you this morning, and I think we ought to give those two ladies a round of applause and their families. It's an exciting day for them and, and for us as a church. And uh, I brought an extra Bible in here today, and uh, hopefully you'll, you'll see why in just a second. It's not because I, I can barely read one, much less I can read two simultaneously. So... Uh, Hear the word of the Lord. John 5, beginning at verse 41. I do not receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words. Would you pray with me, please? Father, as we look at this text today, the word glory seems to jump off the page, and how many times we have avoided or at least denied you of the glory that you so rightly deserve. We have sought our own glory. We have pursued it, and at times even abandoned our faith so that we might be glorified amongst men. Let today be the day that we pursue a relationship with your son Jesus, that in our life we would glorify you. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I used this Bible that was given to me when I was ordained. Uh, I had to paperclip the, the covers coming off of it. And uh, some of you say, it was just a cheap Bible, Cliff. You surely haven't read it that much. Well, it's highlighted about every time I ever preached a passage, it's highlighted where I had preached from. And I wanted to use the New American Standard, which is what this Bible is. Uh, in fact, the pastor that ordained me did not use New American Standard. But as when we ordained Pierce, wherever Pierce went... Uh, he's in the back. We ask him, what translation do you want? Typically, when you're ordained, you get a Bible given to you, and, and uh, he asked for what translation. I wanted a New American Standard, which at the time was the end Bible, uh, if you will. And this week is reading over and over that, this passage, because I knew in NSAV, which I had memorized a long time ago, that word glory was used repetitively. And as you know me, or if you have learned my ways, um, I think in movies. So, of course, there's a movie with Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, Matthew Broderick, and some others called Glory. There should be a picture of Glory. There you have it. Um, and how, you know, so I'm going to probably have to watch it this afternoon simply because I watched so many clips of it this past week trying to find how they used or why they used the word glory in this story of the 51st Regiment from Massachusetts, uh, Colonel Robert Shaw, 
who I've been to his memorial there in uh, Boston Common. Uh, and it's, it's a quite a scene, but the emphasis, as the movie tried to show, was not on the man, the officer leading uh, this regiment of African-American uh, soldiers. Some had been recently freed. Some had, were born free men. Some were very educated. In fact, that is a, from a letter that it appeared approximately six months later from uh, this um, battle that is depicted in the movie. Um, as they got ready to assault Fort Wagner for the second time there in South Carolina. And Sergeant Simmons wrote, God has protected me through this, my first fiery leaden trial, and I do give him the glory and render my praises unto his holy name. Um, so much for Shaw leading a band of uneducated men. And if you read that letter... It's very eloquently written, and he would succumb to his injuries he would receive uh, that day. So I thought glory that way, and then I also have this limited set list of songs in my mind, and I go to the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And yes, I saw him live when he was young, and I was too. Uh, but I think this song is from about... 84. The mo that movie is from like 89. Uh, glory days, they'll pass you by. Glory days in the wink of a young girl's eyes. Glory days, glory days. And if you've ever seen the video of it, he begins with the fact of some young man that he knew who could pitch a you know, baseball so fast and, and then when they were in high school and all for those glory days. So somewhere in between the wisdom to give God glory that I showed from that movie quote or that letter that was contained in that movie to the selfishness of the pursuit of our own glory, we find ourselves in this text. So why did I keep highlighting on this word glory? Let's look at the uh, Greek word itself. And I know sometimes I throw that out for you not to show you up because I'm sure many of you probably... <laughs> Uh, have read or know more Greek words than I do, but doxe is the one word that uh, I could always remember. We sing the doxology, a word of glory. Um, my friend that I went to his retirement in Las Vegas last month was an orthodox priest, correct glory, orthodoxe. Um, but here you see that the Greek word doxe was defined praise, honor, glory. So some of your translations will have praise or honor or glory. Uh, in fact, interestingly to me, in the first chapter, John writes about Jesus' glory that he has from the Father. And the translators for the NIV use the word glory there, but here they use the word praise or honor. So the focus I would like for you to look at is that last part about glory, the especially divine quality, the unspoken manifestation of God, which to me ties, ties in when we started talking about John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and how that's kind of hard in our minds. I know my daughter, my wife, my son went to incarnate Word. That word incarnate's not even in the Greek. It is the Word becoming flesh, but that Word, logos, that John used to define who Jesus was, means the very essence of God, the manifestation of God. So the glory that Jesus is talking about today in this text, as we look at it, 
he is using this as his defense. This is the end of his uh, trial, if you will, with those who were trying to pursue him and kill him. We've taken about two weeks just to get through these verses that, uh, as I said, um, one of the D.B. Carson, D.A. Carson, one of the books I've been reading as I've worked my way through John, he says in this section that, that Jesus speaks from about verse 17 all the way to the end of this chapter, he said he's either truly God or he's truly crazy. And I think if you're here this morning, you believe that he's truly God. So it's time we start giving him the glory that he deserves. And as he says, even in this translation, I really don't need it, but you need to know who I am. And he uses this for them to focus on who they've given glory to and how they're pursuing glory. And he even calls Moses as his final witness in this trial, if you will, as he's trying to testify who he is. So today as we consider God's glory and how we use that word and how sometimes we misplace it in our own lives or we seek it ourselves or we fail to give it, consider this first point, bring back the glory. John described Jesus in the first chapter Look at verse 14. I, I may even have it for you. Did I slide that in there? Yes. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The manifestation of God. The essence of God. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He goes on to say that we have seen him. And he testifies, John, that you people have seen him. He's seen him and others have seen him. And now Jesus accuses his accusers of preferring to seek man's glory versus God's glory. In fact, in verse 43, he says they're more likely to pursue glory from another, uh, from men other than him. Verse 43, I've come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. Now, many commentators will, will speak of the various prophets or false messiahs of Jesus' day, and perhaps that's what Jesus is speaking about. But I think if you boil it down simply, he is saying you guys would prefer to glorify others or receive glory yourself than to recognize who I truly am standing here before you. I know I've told you the Morgan Freeman story, I think I have, that post-Katrina I was stationed at Keesler and Oprah Winfrey uh, sponsored a gigantic party that Brenda and I got to go to at the Beau Rivage. Were you stationed there at the time when I went to that one? Went to the Beau Rivage. I thought I was going to get to see Oprah Winfrey, but I'm the senior chaplain at Keesler. Mark and I had worked there together. Uh, and uh, they wanted token chaplain to say a prayer before the big banquet meal. And, you know, the base is right there in Keesler. I mean, literally right down the road from the big casino. So I show up and, you know, all my pomp and circumstance of a uniform, only guy in a uniform other than the honor guard who presented the colors, and very uncomfortable all night sitting in that because <laughs> I'm typically 10 pounds overweight. And now I'm about 10 over the 10 that I typically am, so I'm really uncomfortable. But in any event, back to the story, um, I'm getting ready to pray, and there's a guy who's like a city councilman who should be a preacher. African-American has that delivery, has that timing, and he has been stirring the crowd up, you know. And he's getting ready to call me because I'm standing over there right there just ready to go, come up to pray. And he goes, is that Morgan Freeman back there? And, of course, that's the voice of God in the movie, you know, Bruce Almighty. 
And everybody turns and looks at him. Hey, Morgan, how you doing? Okay, chaplain, you can come up and pray. <laughs> Talk about misplaced glory. Not that I wanted the glory, but we were going to speak to the one who demands glory, who is the essence of glory, who sent his son in all of his glory. And we were more impressed with the movie star sitting in the back. So ask yourself this morning, would you rather entertain Morgan Freeman for an evening in your home and speak to him and hear his voice, because he has a wonderful voice. Don't get me on my Shawshank Redemption story, you know. He's got this lovely voice. But would you rather spend an evening entertaining him or speak to the one who hurled the planets into orbit? The one who loved you enough in the midst of your sin, said, I'll send my only begotten son. Why is it that we seek the honor of men instead of giving honor and glory to the one who loves us? Or maybe you would like to sing a song. I don't know, Aaron. If Bruce Springsteen was up here, Aaron would probably say, hey, man, I, I can sing with the boss. I am the boss here at First Baptist Church, Helotus, you know. But instead of Doing that, I'm sure this guy here leading music every Sunday would rather you lift your voices to the King of Kings to, to glorify the one who loves us. The true boss, if you will. Now, as I mentioned, this Bible, it's about to fall apart. Um, ordained, I think, I won't look. Brent and I were not even married. Those of you who've been in ordinations, Pierce, you still in the back? Did you always fall asleep? Okay, all right. Still awake. Did we set you up here just for the hand laying, right? Didn't we take you into the other building uh, for the deacons to talk to you? The night I was ordained, I don't know if some of you have deacons have been ordained or you've been ordained in the gospel ministry, however you've been ordained, they set me in the dead center of the facility in a chair. The deacons got to ask all their questions they wanted to ask. And I just knew they were going to ask me some Bible question that I had no idea on, you know, like... I, I, you know, who is uh, mentioned in the second book of whatever? Uh, but they didn't ask those. And then Brenda had to sit with me, and she wasn't, we weren't even married yet. So it's December, right? It's December of uh, 83. Ooh, so that's how this Bible is. And um, I pride myself. The chief was in my office. We prayed before we came in here. And uh, I said, I try to always take old bulletins out of Bibles because it looks like you haven't read the Bible if, you know, those of you who grew up with Bibles and, and had bulletins, you'd put your bulletin in from the Sunday and, you know, you open, oh, shoot, that, that, that there, how'd that bulletin get in there from Easter? And it's Christmas now. I don't know. I'll throw that one out. So this one fell out of the back of this Bible. First Baptist Church Lotus, Dr. L. Belver, pastor, David Blow, music director, and playing the prelude, 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 prelude is Sherry Blow. February 25th, 2001. Dr. Belver's preaching that particular day. Bring back the glory. And he used this as his text. I think I put it in there next, didn't I? Hopefully. Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the Son may glorify you, even as you gave him authority over all flesh, that to all whom you have given him, he may give eternal life. And I think it goes on, doesn't it? 
This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Thank you, Earl. Thank you, for David and Sherry, for faithful service. Other disturbing part about this bulletin, 162 people in church the Sunday prior. Now, it is old-fashioned day. I think they're getting, no, not old-fashioned, it's, it's Cowboy Sunday, this particular Sunday. We need to uh, reclaim our former glory of uh, our attendance. You know, there was a time pre-COVID, we were, we averaged over a quarter, 200 people, which was a big deal for this congregation. And I read an article this week from a man who was talking about the church he grew up in the 50s, the late 50s, a little bit older than I am. And he was saying that his dad had found that church. And there the word was proclaimed. The songs were wonderful. The people were excellent. He talked about an amen corner. That there were a bunch of old men that sat in the back. And if the preacher was ever struggling, they would hear, amen, amen, amen. You know, and I'm thinking, eh. It wasn't a Baptist church I grew up in Illinois. You heard an amen every once in a while. And when you heard some of the people, you know, okay, I know that's old brother so-and-so. He just woke up and his wife has elbowed him. He's amen, you know. <clears throat> but to me, the only way to bring back the glory to this church and any church, and I'm not saying we've lost it, it's not about numbers. It's about faithfulness to the son who came from the father. And being powered by the Holy Spirit. It's keeping these baptismal waters flowing. With people sharing the faith that has transformed their life. I left it in the water, so to speak. And now I want you to understand how you can leave your past behind. And follow Jesus. Following him. Any church will radiate his glory. And finally, as we look at this passage, believe his glory. In verse 45, Jesus calls his last witness to the stand, if you will. And uh, this Bible, if it doesn't fall apart. Uh, there we are. Come back to John, 5th chapter, verse 45. Do you think that I will accuse you before the Father? He's not going to be the accuser. The one who accuses you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. The Jews considered Moses to be the most revered prophet, the greatest prophet they had ever had in the history of of the chosen people. He led the children out of bondage. He was able to part the Red Sea. He did miraculous things in the wilderness. He received the Ten Commandments. He wrote many of the books of the Torah. They even placed their hope in him. Remember the Harvest of Hope series that we did a while ago? From 1 Peter, where I defined biblical hope as the assurance and the expectation of what has been communicated to you through the gospel. In fact, I have challenged myself since that sermon series not to say, I hope this happens. Because biblical hope is an assurance. It's not a magic genie. It's not rubbing a lamp. It is not a wish this would happen. It is a confidence in God's word. And the people were confident in Moses. 
They had placed their hope in him. He had led them out of the desert. He had received these laws. And through those, they were going to receive eternal life. And Jesus says to them, I'm not accusing you. Moses will accuse you because you haven't done what he said. You haven't paid attention to what he has written. And I think I have a slide that most people will go back to this verse that comes from Moses. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you. From your countrymen, you shall listen to him. This is that prophecy from the Old Testament that someone is coming, a Messiah, Jesus, the Christ. We must believe who he is, the Son of God, the incarnate word, the hope, the glory of the Father. But like sheep, we have gone astray, like a gold miner panning for gold. We have let the glimmering pieces of fool's gold lead us astray many times from the glory of the Father. Let me close with this illustration that I only decided to use this morning. I even asked Brenda, is it okay to use this? She goes, well, you know, why not? No, she didn't do it like that. She goes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> introduce it however you want to introduce it. Because it just happened yesterday. And, and she said, well, you know, God uses things in our lives to speak to you afresh. I mean, that bulletin in the back of this Bible, God's all over that. I mean, you know. So let me share this with you. Um, and I, I want to tell you before I go any further that I'm not doing this to embarrass anybody or to belittle anyone because uh, we all collect something, right? Some of you have been in your homes. Let me introduce you to some of the things they collect at my house. There are a lot of cars around my house, many of them in a poor state of repair that when I get free time, they'll get fixed unless I buy another project that won't get fixed either. Uh, my mother, if you go to her house, she has over a hundred teapots and she doesn't even drink tea. <laughs> my sister has, I think literally now, eight bookshelves that I bought were surplus from the University of Texas. These gigantic six by six uh, pine bookshelves, hard pine, that are loaded with books. And like she said, and some of those books I've even read. <laughs> my son, uh, one of my sons, and I, I shouldn't have said that, but somebody I know collects Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. And those of you who are of my vintage, if you had only collected and kept your Hot Wheels, you would be extremely wealthy. Well, maybe not extremely wealthy. Not like my other son who collects comics. And recently, I think it last year, Superman won the very first Superman, you know, cartoon comic magazine, sold for $3.25 million. So, Sometimes collecting things, whether it's, you know, golf clubs or, I don't know, tools or shot glasses. Now, if you're a Baptist, don't, hopefully you don't. I, I just knew some people who used to collect shot glasses. Some people collect those little bells, you know, from different states. I remember that or things like that. Camping gear. There's all kinds of things we collect. But as I said, the oldest son collects comics. So for his birthday, uh, I bought tickets to go to the San Antonio Comic Con and car show. Uh, and what's funny, you know, as Nicholas and Kaylin have just, uh, uh, you know, they're, hopefully the twins will get to come home from the hospital soon. So I'll go ahead and report for you. That way they don't have to come. When they coming home, we don't know, but they're doing well, okay? But uh, when the twins, when Spencer and Emma were sub three, 
I took all four of them to a Comic-Con or whatever, and we stood in line forever. I mean forever. In fact, the oldest son, Tull, said, did you really take the twins? I said, yeah, I'm feeding them in the stroller as we're waiting in line, you know, from a little bottle of baby food because they were screaming, and we're waiting in line for Glacier, a wrestler I've never even heard of that was there, signing, you know, like autographs. And I, who knows where that guy's picture is. It's probably tore up, you know. But yesterday, we went to this thing at the uh, Freeman Coliseum. It took up like three different places. The car I could get into. I mean, I saw the Fred Flintstone car. I mean, truly. I saw the Blues Brothers squad car. I saw uh, a DeLorean, like from Back to the Future. Yeah, hey, I saw the Green Hornet or whatever they call that, something beauty now. I saw all kinds of cars, and I started to throw all those pictures in there, but I didn't, because you know, that was the first building we walked into. Then we get diverted to another building where there are people dressed like I. I was like, man, I didn't know there were that many Princess Leia's in the world. There are a lot of stormtroopers in here. There's a lot of... Who's John Candy's character from Space, Space Balls? You know, a guy dressed up and fuzzy with a tail hanging out. There, there were Hulks and, and Wonder Womans and Supermans and, and bloody people and scary. I mean, there, are, there were heroes and villains and all these kind of people. And I thought, these people have paid good money. To buy, we went into another building, and they're literally fighting with lightsabers like they're in Star Wars. And there's like 100 people up on the stage and another 500 people watching. And I'm looking at the two older boys, and I'm going, people really do this? <laughs> yeah, and look, this is like, you know, like, uh, Royce, you do the, what's, what's the name of your judo, or is it fox or something, or wolf, or? Yeah, every, every like martial arts group usually has a name. These guys had a patch of their like martial arts with their little lightsabers. I'm like, these guys are really into it. And then you could go buy your lightsaber. You could buy your Harry Potter wand. You could buy amazing stuff. And I thought, these people are, are spending their hard-earned money for stuff that's make-believe. They're, they're pretending to be a superhero that really doesn't even exist in real life. It's one thing to dress up like Abraham Lincoln for a Civil War reenactment, and that was a real guy. But I don't think Han Solo really ever lived. I, I know, there'd be some that, there would be some there who would argue, yes. And I, I think Yoda is, is, is fantasy. So, and I know the Comic Con is probably short for convention, but I think the the world has been conned into glorifying things other than Jesus. They have sought the glory of this world versus the one who made the world. And that's the challenge for you this morning. That he is divine. He is the manifestation of God. He is God and was before the world and is coming again. And unless you place your faith in him... And restore this broken, sinful life that you have lived. To walk with him day by day. Yes, you might stumble. Yes, you might veer from that path. But once he has you into his hands, nothing will take you from the palm of Jesus. So glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. I used to sing that in the Air Force, Gloria Patri. Some of you who raised on that song. Stand with me, please. We'll pray. 
Lord, as we come now to a time of invitation, if there's someone here who has never professed their faith in you, let this be the day in which they understand the glory of your Son, the glory of the Spirit, and your glory. You are God. And we must praise you for what you've done and how you've loved us. And if there's one today who's never experienced that love, I pray that they would come as we sing this song together. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.